Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is... I'm Dave Clark. Hey, y'all. I'm Beth Mantle. And I'm Tim Foss. Tim Foss has a very interesting, you won't see this on the podcast, but he's got some kind of, it's like an uh, asteroid. What's the background you got there? I It's remnants from the previous occupants of the building that I work in. Oh, and I think it is an asteroid. It's the... I think so. Yeah. All right. That's a very old Atari era game that we won't speak of ever again. Welcome, everyone. Uh, the Sounders are coming off not one, but two wins. That's like remarkable. Uh, like these so days. many more than they had before. Yeah, it's a lot more. Uh, the first one, which, you know, we may as well handle this chronologically. We don't need to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, last week, they started off the week by beating Club Leon 3-0. This is uh, the same Club Leon from League's Cup. Uh, they were also a finalist in the most recent uh, Ligila playoffs. They were third, I believe, in the Liga Emeki's table. They were in the middle of a six-game unbeaten streak. And the Sounders just absolutely wiped the floor with them. It was, I like, I actually think it was more dominant than they were against Montagua when they won 5-0. Uh, is that... Am I crazy? Like they, the Sounders generated, and I don't say this hyperbolically, like seven good scoring chances against uh, Leon. It was, and they didn't really, they gave up one decent look. Um, it was, it was a comprehensive performance. It was really fun. Like I yeah, like watching the Sounders too. do that. Like it was just really fun to watch. Like it was exciting and we looked yep. good and they were scoring goals. And there were a lot of like chances where you like jump out of your seat they didn't go in all of them, but that's okay. You can't win them all, but we did win the game. So I tend to enjoy it too. When they, uh, an opposing manager is like, we're going to be able to afford resting some of our key players for this match. And then at halftime, they're like, actually, we can't do that. This team is too good. We have to insert the three starters that I thought weren't going to play today immediately because we're getting our asses whipped. Yeah, I I think to your point, Jeremiah, it's there were genuinely seven chances where the Sounders not only could have, but probably should have scored. And there were more chances where one or two better plays at some point, and there's probably another goal. Um, they were very much deserved three nothing winners. And, you know, if, if you look at the stats from that, the, the numbers are so absurd to have conceded 
more than two thirds of the possession. And then I think they outshot Leon something like 14 to three or something. I think that's right. Yeah. Outrageous. The Sounders, I think got a shot for every like 20.5 passes they had in that game, which is outrageous. It's unreasonable. Yeah, it was, it, it was very, it was a comprehensive performance. Like I said, and for a, a game where they seeded something like almost 70% of possession, it never really felt like they were under fire. Like it was all like it, oftentimes, you know, we talk about, oh, well, yeah, but a lot of their possession was in their half. Like a lot of Leon's possession was in their half. Uh, the Sounders did a great job of creating turnovers in midfield and just immediately getting into counterattacking positions. Uh, it was so good that it makes you wonder why aren't they doing this every game? And I can only assume, I don't know. I don't actually have a good answer for that. I mean, I guess a lot of teams aren't going to be willing to try to possess as much as Leon did, but I, it just felt like a game where the Sounders were, were, it wasn't that the Sounders were giving up possession so quickly. It was that they were going from defense to shooting so quickly that they didn't have a lot of time to like, pick up possession and so it, it wasn't like the Sounders were just hoofing it forward and letting Leon start over with their attack it was like Leon was almost always having to come out of the defensive end after you know a wave of attack and so it was just very the Sounders were very effective at counterpressing uh they just you know they, they looked sharp everywhere on the field I don't know that there was a single performance that I thought oh he could have done a little bit better uh and maybe the most illustrative of that is Alex Roldan came off at halftime with what we later learned was like a chip bone in his toe, I think is what they ultimately said. And Kellen Rowe just picked up right where Roldan left off. He was, you know, he was very effective. And this is not a player who has always been super effective, especially in, in those type of situations, but he was great. Obed Vargas, another player who I think probably, uh, had the potential to be overwhelmed in that moment. This is a, a kid who grew up watching Liga Mackey's teams. I'm sure there was like a moment of, I can't believe I'm on the field with these players for him. And yet he was composed and calm. And he was really positionally about as well, as good as we've seen him. And, and that doesn't even get into like the attacking uh, display that the Sounders put on uh, mainly through Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris. But like, there was a lot of things to like Freddie Montero was again, very good. Uh, just, just a very, very encouraging performance all around. And they weren't quite able to carry the momentum of that quality into the LA galaxy match. But I think they were able to carry the spirit of that performance in the galaxy match. Between those two games quite as well against the galaxy is, you know, one of the visual differences between Liga MX and MLS is the, the speed at which the game happens, not necessarily like pace of play, something that we see young players have to adapt to a lot moving up from like Academy or defiance to the first team, but like literally the speed that the game is happening where Liga Mekis players tend to get a little bit more time on the ball because that's just generally how Mexican soccer is played, um, not to overgeneralize, but an MLS 
team is just, regardless of how good they are, they're a little bit less comfortable. And the default is usually to try to play a little bit quicker as a result. Um, I, you know, there were other issues that that might not account for against the Galaxy. You know, they made some pretty poor, you know, pretty poor decision-making by the center backs on the first goal to leave a player completely unmarked running into the box and then not getting goal side on Chicharito, uh, probably going to result in a goal almost every time that that happens. And, you know, a decidedly not smart foul at the edge of the box, not, not what you want to do when a team has the quality that the galaxy do. But, um, I, I think at the very least we saw that this team is capable of handling adversity and, you know, they went down a goal and they fought back to take a lead. They gave that lead up and they came right back and scored another goal. Like that's what teams have to do. They, you can't just win every game handily. Like you have to be able to fight through some difficulties. Yeah, I think it's also important to acknowledge that we were without Nico and Raul in both of these games and they still put up like convincing displays. Absolutely. I think that's, you, you can't ignore that. And their presence was probably a little bit more felt in the Galaxy game, but I think there was probably some degree of tired legs. I mean, this is still a team that's getting its, you know, getting out of preseason form, uh, getting their legs underneath them. You know, we've gone through all the, the various things. Jordan is still very much getting his fitness back. Uh, but Jordan Morris scoring his third goal in six games is another positive development. Uh, he has, he, I would say he still doesn't quite look as sharp as we've seen him at his best, but he, he looks fit. He looks fast. He's, uh, he's looking more and more confident every game. And, you know, I know that there's uh, some rightful debate as to whether or not his goal on Saturday should have been an own goal. It does look like the defender may have had the, you know, the final touch, but Jordan did great work to put himself in the position. I think that's going to stand up as his. He deserves it. And, uh, you know, I think he, he has been very good for the Sounders. And I, I think that's all got to be very encouraging. And we can only uh, hope that once Nico and Raul get back in, they raise the level of the team even farther. Yeah, I give Jordan Morris that goal. I'm in charge now of who gets the goals. And yeah, no, he gets Morris. the goal. He, he definitely goal. does. And it was a, it was a cool goal. I feel like there's not that many people that can like kind of like spin on their side. Like he was like horizontal running for a bit to try to get that, <laughs> that ball in the net and like more power to him. Like that's impressive. People are going to try to take it away from him, but like he earned it. It looked kind of like a dog reaching for a ball that was just out of touch, but didn't want to actually, the dog doesn't move that kind of flailing about, um, I love it uh, personally because that's like the all effort kind of moment. Um, yeah. That really is uh, kind of what Brian Schmetzer has tried to embody is that you, you just don't give up, you give it all. And to see Jordan doing that, you know, there's not many players in his pay range that are going to go through that much effort, you know, lying down, heavy contact that are just going to grind and eventually score. And that's part of why he has what he's tied for fourth all competition goals for the Seattle Sounders ahead of some rather famous goal scorers like Eddie Johnson and Clint Dempsey. 
I they are usually not quite as ugly as that goal was, but Georgia scores <laughs> a lot. Take that back. Of, it was not ugly. It was, it was just, like ugly it was beautiful. It was unique. That's what it was. Um, there we go. That's a great term for it. Uh, but he scores a lot of just like grinded out goals. He outworks a lot of people that I think to your point, Dave, like a lot of guys in his pay bracket and of his just pure talent level, uh, like they might get, you know, one of those two things. You don't see the combination of skill and work ethic combined in the same way as they do in Jordan Morris. Uh, The Sounders love a guy like that. He's, he seems perfect for Brian a Brian Schmetzer coach team, coach team. Uh, second maybe only to Christian Roldan, who I think had his you know one of his best performances ever really uh, against Leon. You know he had he was involved in all three goals. He drew the penalty uh, that Montero converted on the first one, and then he had assists on the next two. I think he ended up with five key passes. Uh, the one chance that I'm sure he really wants back was one at the end, which was after uh, Morris's goal. He w- was in on goal after uh, Albert Rusnak pass. And I, I'm a little reluctant to blame him too much for this because he was fighting off a defender on one side. The goalkeeper did a good job coming off his line and I think made a pretty good save. He looked like he was trying to chip the goalkeeper and he kept it at three zero, which you know, 4-0 would have felt a lot better, as good as 3-0 felt. I think I would have felt even more comfortable going down to Leon with a 4-0 win. But as it is, I think the Sounders will be very happy with a 3-0. But uh, I thought Christian Roldan was, like, the embodiment of what we... You know, if you were to ask me to put on one, show you one game where it, we explain why Christian Roldan is so great, I would have a hard time picking out a better game than that one. Yeah, I think going into this season, we were kind of looking forward to seeing him paired with JP in the midfield. Yeah. But like after these first few games, like, can you take him off the right wing? Like he's so good there and he's so good for the team there. Like is Obed Vargas coming up and pairing with JP, like honestly making the team better, not just because Obed is actually good, but because it gets Christian on the wing. Well, I think it's emergence. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and I've, I've been thinking about this prior, but especially with the way that the Sounders are playing, if they intend to continue this focus on creating and capitalizing on transition opportunities, you know, in some instances, ceding possession to the other team to force those opportunities, the right-sided combination of Christian and Alex Roldan might be the most important pairing of players on the field for the Sounders. Um, Alex has, I think at least in the last couple games, if not most of the games this season, been at the top, if not the top player in terms of touches. Um, His role as an outlet for the center backs to distribute and then his ability to play combination play or hit an early ball or, you know, be the person being released down the side to hit a cross is essential to the Sounders being able to attack so quickly. And 
Christian's ability to combine with him and his, you know, understanding of space, his ability to make dangerous runs anywhere across the middle of the field is so big for the Sounders. Those two might be, you know, as much as JP might be the best player or the most important single player, if Christian stays on the right wing, he and Alex might be the most important combination of players. Speaking of Alex, his assist on Javi's goal against LA was chef's kiss. Yes. That was a nice ball. It was. It was about as perfect as you can make a, a cross. And, uh, you know, Ariaga, I think, deserves a fair amount of credit for the finish, but that was an absolute thing of beauty. Yeah, I think Brian Schmetzer said it takes two to tango on that yes. goal. I feel yeah. like that sums it up pretty well. Uh. The other, I think, big talking point coming out of that game, and I, I, you know, I think I talked myself into this. Maybe, maybe I'm being too kind, as maybe I'm wanting to do, uh, as I was recently accused of doing. But uh, Jeremiah, why are you so positive? I know. Why am I so positive? But I, the whole little, the whole incident with Albert Rusnak and Freddie Montero arguing over the penalty, and I went back and I, I watched the the whole exchange, and it's kind of a amusing take i think so uh if you remember the this whole situation uh i think it's alex puts in a cross alex or christian put in a cross freddie does an amazing job of juggling it basically creating the chance he gets hit by julian araujo he goes down it's a penalty no question and immediately what rustnet comes over to montero and he starts talking to him and and then the camera cuts away. And then the next thing we see is Rusnak with the ball and Freddie coming up like, no, what are you, what are you doing? And he doesn't really say a whole lot. Freddie just sort of takes the ball and is like, nah. and, and Albert continues to talk sort of seemingly pleading his case, not like being uh, demonstrative, but sort of like, no, I, I kind of need, like, I don't know, it's, I'm not a lip reader. I, I imagine he's saying like, come on, man, I need, I need this. <laughs> and JP comes in late. Albert, not this time. This is not the, like, take take the L here. Yamar comes over, sort of make sure everything's going all right. And Freddie, like, the whole time, uh, nonplussed, just completely, like, yeah, it's my it's my shot. I'm going to take it. I'm going to bury it. And and I got to say, I watched the, the actual penalty again. And as I'm watching it, I'm convinced that he's going to his right, even though I know where he goes with it. But he opens his body up in a way that he completely – fools Jonathan Bond and he, he slots it in the opposite side of the corner and I just think that whole bit from Freddie is so amazing like it's just an impressive bit of calmness of steadiness of kind of rising to the moment and not allowing and then after the game he was very magnanimous and saying like hey whatever I don't mind Albert is is uh doing what he has to do I'm glad that he wants to take that but I'm taking the penalty and I just thought that the whole thing was very indicative of the kind of team the Sounders have built, which is, yeah, they're not, everything's not always going to go perfectly, but at the end of the day, you sort of trust your veteran leaders to do veteran leadership type stuff. And I, I have no doubt that they're all like everyone involved in that's going to come out better. Like that it, the situation played out correctly and that, uh, you know, Schmetzer, I think, didn't overreact and say like, Oh, we're a hundred percent going to start assigning penalties before the game. He just, I think he's right. Like the, the thing to do there is to say, 
you guys have to be able to work this stuff out. And as long as you're working it out, I don't, I shouldn't have to step in. And, and it did get worked out. It, you know, it, it, you know, maybe we saw a little bit more of the sausage getting made than, than we would prefer, but I think ultimately it's hard to argue with, with any part of that. Um, and I was, and I came away feeling very positive about that whole, that whole incident. I don't think any of it seems like malicious. I feel like no. if there was an actual problem brewing, like it would have been more apparent. It definitely yes. felt like two guys that were just kind of like, I want to take this. And they were like, well, we can't both kick it. So I guess we'll just pick one of us to take it this time. Also, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Albert getting his first goal. He's come close a few times and I'm really hoping that he gets one soon. I feel like that'll be good for him. Let's draw two penalties in the next game so he can take one. Of them. <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> I think Jeremiah and I were joking after that press conference that like Brian Schmetzer is not going to let like attitudes of his veteran players get in the way of the team's success. Like he would team bonding activity them to hell before he would let that happen. Like that just seems like such like, I don't know, just such an opposition of how he runs the team that I don't think I don't think we're likely to see that be a problem. He was on the uh, side by side podcast with uh, Zach, Zach Wani and Brad Evans. And he wasn't talking about this, but he was talking about, they asked him about like awkward situations where he's been in with veteran players. And he talked about, you know, having to tell Clint Dempsey that he wasn't starting anymore. And, but the thing that struck me was how uh, Roman Torres, when he came back for his second stint, would sort of be, you know, like, standing over Brian and being like, no, I'm playing now. And Brian would just be like, no, I'm sorry. You're not the starter. And, and I think it's, 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 it's an interesting uh, window into the way Brian works, which is like, I want all these players to be advocating for themselves and I want them to be a little bit disappointed, but that can't be my decision-making process needs to be what's best for the team. And, and I think that the PK situation is, is similar to that, which is like, I'm like, even if Albert were to come into the, into the Brian's office and say like, Hey, you got to tell the guys to let me take a penalty. I need, I kind of need this. I have a feeling like Brian would just be like, no, man, like you, you got to work it out with them. Like you can't work it out with me. I can't, I can't be the guy that comes in. It's not going to fix anything if I do that. And I think that's probably one of his most underrated attributes which is like understanding the the team dynamic and understanding when it's important to take a step back when it's when he needs to interject himself and and really giving the players a sense of ownership of this stuff because uh i i think that's that's where you get this sort of you know like we're all in this together attitude yeah i think that's been his mantra since like he took over the team and it's interesting to see it like express itself in different ways like with the pk situation but like that's always been the underlying way that he's run the team he uh he, he talks pretty regularly about trusting his players and believing in them and i think that the his not declaring a penalty and saying they'll figure it out in the field is is a perfect example of how he trusts them he's not worried about arguments and, and that kind of thing uh there was n- nothing heated and i think that trust and that that player's coach that he's always tagged with this was a primary example of that um it worked it didn't just work out um 
it was an empowerment to uh, Freddie Montero, who's chasing chasing records or holding off a record, I guess, is where he's at right now. Um, holding off Raul Ruiz Diaz for a couple more weeks, maybe months. Um, and, you know, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Freddie at some point jokes with Albert that if Albert wants a goal, he should score one. Um, you know, I, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, this is also something that I just found. Like, I feel like there was a time in maybe 2009 when Freddie and Freddie Umberg got into a fight over a penalty, and it had a very different. Uh, I, I, I think the penalty was ultimately missed, and it had a very different uh, cascading effect on the team and and everything else. And I, I also found myself thinking like. Wow, Freddie went from being a player who you sometimes wondered, do I want this guy taking a penalty? To he's now hit eleven straight, uh, going back to two thousand seventeen. Uh, yeah, he's up in the, uh, the Brad Evans, uh, Nico Ladero kind of circle for yeah. who who do you want to take a penalty all time for the Sounders? Uh, that top three is starting to look automatic. Yeah, it's they actually have a lot of players on their team right now who are pretty good from the spot. Uh, Rusnak has a pretty good career record from the spot. Uh, Rui Diaz is, uh, I think, five for he's he's converted five straight since he missed his first one. Uh, Ladero is 14 for 14. Uh, I would have met like uh, we saw AB Sissoko uh, in the shootout. I doubt he would ever actually take a penalty in the run of play, but just to kind of speak to how con- like they they they've You'd like to think they'd be better in penalty shootouts too, I guess. Uh, like, hopefully, we don't find out about that uh, next week. I've just jinxed us. What am I doing? Jeez, uh, <laughs> shut it up, Jeremiah. What are we doing here? We're gonna have to like light some incense or something. Get that bad vibes out. Yeah, get get the sage. Oh, but any other any other thoughts from this Galaxy game? It was good to get the. The, like I'm glad to put this narrative to bed. Like it, it struck me as a f- bit of a false narrative. I have spoken to it several times about how they haven't been able to win league games. I mean, you win two Champions League games eight zero. It seems silly to be talking about how you haven't won a league game in a while, but it was true, and it was a streak that dated back all the way to October. I was surprised to see they hadn't even led a game at halftime since October. They actually, and they didn't even lead as Beth discovered they hadn't even led the last game they won they you had to go to the rapids game to find the last time they had actually led at halftime uh which was 10 matches ago uh so it was good like a lot of a lot of good vibes they still haven't scored first for a while uh but we'll get that one next i think another upside of the galaxy game wasn't necessarily for the sounders or for the galaxy that game felt like a bit of like the old sounders galaxy matches where it was like very much a high intensity kind of high emotions thing um i feel like we haven't seen that in the past from the galaxy because they've been bad um so i don't know it was exciting i liked it i enjoyed the dark strong and and stuart holden relaying the conversations with greg vanny about how we need to win this so that we're the measuring stick in the West. And then uh, they didn't win that because... I don't the, think winning the, one game against the Sounders would do that for you. Well, they would have been undefeated to start the season 3-0 and gotten wins on the road. I can kind of understand where he's saying that, but you're not really the measuring stick in the West until you make the playoffs 13 times in a row. Uh, like, 
a three game winning streak it isn't oh now we're the measuring stick but they don't even get to go that far so they don't even get to be a fake measuring stick yeah sucks for them they they were the measuring stick back in the the keen era we'll be honest yes but it's been a while now just a complete aside i just feel like throwing some red meat out there okay Uh, Atlanta United put out a TIFO this week of their owner. I, did, I got nothing. I just wanted to say that. Like, that was their weird. TIFO is just Arthur Brank and some trophies. I, yeah, it was, it was a, a choice. Like, they it made a choice. choice. I'm just like, it wasn't, like, artistically that great. And, like, it didn't have a very strong message to convey, in my opinion. And also, they just, like, painted an old man on a TIFO. And that was sure it. Did. As it's just, like it's a, it's an interesting set of choices to bring you to that display. As, as Jeremiah pointed out, you're rewarding Arthur Blank for last year's bad performance. Yeah, I don't yeah, like, the timing's odd too. Yeah, it wasn't. Hey, you just won MLS Cup, which I still wouldn't give him. To me, I I, I said this in the Sounder Heart Slack. The there's only two occasions when I would uh, encourage somebody to make a tifo for an owner. And that's if they pass while owning the team and have an incredible history with them. Fine. A tribute might be good. Or if they sell the team after a long history, like Adrian sell the team at some point, you know what? A big thank you Tifo for what Adrian Hanauer has done for Seattle soccer. That would make sense. Arthur Blank being involved in soccer for four years. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, yeah, I'm not trying to like bad mouth supporters that are putting their time and effort into making displays. No, I hey. think they just kind of missed the mark with that one. Yeah. Well, hey. and it seems especially odd when like the obvious choice there is to put Joseph Martinez on that TIFO, who has been your best player the entire time you've existed and has had a hand in every trophy that you've won. But instead you picked a billionaire. You know, and I believe at the same time they were mocking Charlotte for singing in praise of their owner. Yeah, I don't. And then they anyway, made a TIFO. yeah. So we got really distracted there. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you just I couldn't to help myself a, putting the you tossed a I, grenade I and it exploded. Yeah, I, I feel like tossing a grenade. Uh, but I do want to end on a positive note. Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. I suppose it's kind of a sad note. This will be Beth's last episode with us. Uh, Beth has been fired and we are done with her. No, uh, she's, she has taken a job. You want to say Beth, what, what, what you're doing? Uh, sure. Yeah. So in a week I will be the Seattle Sounders operation coordinator. So yeah, so you'll see a bit more of me on match days than you would if I was in the press box and I'll be doing some cool stuff. So I'm pretty excited. And it's very well, well we probably won't. Yeah, right. I'll avoid we, you. We actually. probably won't see more. But, if I see you coming around the corner, I'll run the other way. Right. Uh, but you know, it it is ironic that this comes on the heels of uh being accused of taking Paola from the Sounders, but I assure you that is completely un unrelated. I have not uh, been paid not yet. Offer, I have not done any work yet. We have not offered Beth up as as uh as uh what is it, as sacrifice. We, sacrifice don't sacrifice me yeah uh no this was like she earned this job uh 
and it's awesome. She's like, this is a great opportunity for her. We're very happy for her. And uh, I'm thrilled that she's going to stay inside the Senators community. Uh, but we are going to probably be bringing on a, a new social media voice. And uh, we'll have more on that uh, relatively soon. But in the meantime, Beth, it was an absolute pleasure to work with you. It was like kind of surreal to watch you grow up and uh, to see you kind of go from a precocious teen to being a like a vital member of uh, Sounder at Heart. And I think I'm still a bit precocious. Well, but not a teen. But you're not a precocious teen anymore. Uh, and yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. So uh, hopefully we continue to hear more from you. But uh, I wanted to say congratulations and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thank you. You had a really fast path to like six years ago in high school. She was. Uh, she said, Dave, can I job shadow you? And I'm like, Sounder Hard is, I don't know if it's really a job, but sure. She goes, because I want to work in sports full time. And she has made it very clear the, the, publicly the entire time. She wants to replace Garth Lagerway at some point. I don't think um, I'm qualified for that. I don't think I ever no, will you got, be. No, you got time for that. Uh, yeah, we've got time. You've, I have to learn you've got to take so your, many things. You've got to take your first step at some point. And this seems like step one towards Beth Mantle, Seattle Sounders president of soccer. Yeah, I like that. Or, or you know, maybe Peter Tomazawa's job. Yeah. Whichever side of the house, it, it'll all work out. You'll be a president someday. Yeah. Uh, we don't want this to turn into a roast, so I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna maybe we'll uh, end it there. But it was our pleasure having you on this podcast i've been uh thrilled to uh, have your voice involved in it and i know you're going to do great work with the sounders and uh i'm going to sign off on that note uh, on behalf of dave clark beth mantle and tim foss i'm jeremiah shan this is the sounder at heart podcast and we're going to catch you next time